0: Hello everyone and welcome back to the Spirituality and Magic podcast. I'm your host once again, Hunter Salazar, and today we're going to be reading from The Emperor's Handbook by Marcus Aurelius. Who is Marcus Aurelius? He was one of the most virtuous and philosophically philosophically complex emperors that ever graced Rome. He actually had a he had a more He had more of a personality and an understanding of what it was to be human than any other Roman emperor. I would even say much more than Caesar. Caesar was all about conquest. Uh, Marcus Aurelius, he was very introspective, which we we really don't find with a lot of (laughs) emperors, uh, especially as far as Roman emperors and people who claim themselves to be emperors afterwards or dictators or anything like that. But he, he thought, and he wrote it down, and we have his words many hundreds of years later, and it's remarkable. We have the words of Marcus Aurelius. The Emperor's Handbook is a book that we're going to be reading from today. So I just actually flipped to page 53 on random. Um, but before I start reading, let's go ahead and, and give the full title and author. The Emperor's Handbook, Marcus Aurelius. A New Translation of the Meditations. So, the Meditations of Marcus Aurelius is is what you will usually find this under. So, we go to page 53, and let's go ahead and start reading. In the morning, when you can't get out of bed, tell yourself, I'm getting up to do the work only a man can do. How can I possibly hesitate or complain when I'm about to accomplish the task for which I was born. Was I made for lying warm in bed under a pile of blankets? But I enjoy it here. Was it for enjoyment you were born? Are you designed to act or to be acted upon? Look at the plants, sparrows, ants, spiders, and bees. All busy at their work. The work of welding the world. Why should you hesitate To do your part, the part of a man, by disobeying the law of your own nature. Yes, but nature allows for rest too. True, but rest, like eating and drinking, has natural limits. Do you disregard those limits as well? I suppose you do. Although, when it comes to working, you are quick to look for limits and do as little as possible. You must dislike yourself, otherwise you'd like your nature and the limits it imposes. At the same time, you'd recognize that enjoyment is meant to be found in work too, that those who enjoy their work become totally absorbed in it, often forgetting to eat and drink and seek other forms of enjoyment. Do you think less of your life's work? Then the sculptor does his sculpting, the dancer his dancing, the miser his money, or the star his stardom. They gladly forego food and sleep to pursue their ends. To you does the work of building a better society seem less important, less deserving of your devotion? How easy it is to push away and block out every rude and unwelcome idea and suddenly to recover one's peace of mind. Claim your right to say or do anything that accords with nature and pay no attention to the chatter of your critics. If it is good to say or do something, then it is better to be criticized for having said or done it. Others have their own conscience, consciences. To guide them will follow their own lights. Don't be gazing after them, but keep your eyes on the straight path ahead of you, the path of your own nature and of the nature of the universe. The path of both is the same. I walk with nature until the day I fall down and find rest, releasing my last breath into the air from which I drew it, and all those that came before, and reposing in the earth from which my father took his seed, my mother her blood, and my nurse her milk, the same earth which has never failed to fill my belly and quench my thirst, which bears my rude tread, And endures my rapacious abuse. So you don't dazzle them with your blazing intellect. Get over it. Still, you have plenty going for you. And no reason to make excuses and hold back. Let the virtues you do possess shine forth. Your honesty, dignity, and stamina. Your indifference to pleasure and loathing of self-pity. Your wanting little for yourself and giving much to others your measured words and temperate deeds. Do you not recognize these as qualities you possess or as virtues you are fully capable of owning? Then why do you hide from behind a mask of false modesty and keep your bright spirit in darkness? What compels you to grumble, grasp, and grovel, to be boastful, one moment, and to snivel in the next, and in the end to lay down the blame for so much sorry behavior on either a pathetic body or a confused mind? Good heavens, you could have rid yourself of all this long ago. The only deficiency over which you might lack some measure of control is a certain slowness of mind, a difficulty in grasping ideas quickly. But even this can be Remedied through hard training and disciplined study if you don't ignore it and wallow in your stu- stupidity there are three kinds of men in the world the first when he helps someone out, makes it known that he expects something in return. the second never to never be the, the second would never be so bold, but in his mind he knows what he has done and considers the other person. To be in his debt. The third somehow doesn't realize what he has done. But he's like a vine that bears its fruit and asks for nothing more than the pleasure of producing grapes. A horse gallops, a dog hunts, a bee makes honey. One man helps another. And the vine bears fruit in due season. You ought to be like that third fellow who does good without giving it a second thought. What? Are men to be numbered with the lower forms of life that act and are acted upon without awareness? Aren't you always saying that man is a rational animal? And isn't it the mark of a rational animal to realize when he is acting socially and to hope by God that his neighbor appreciates it? So, i just like to... Put a note in here. When I'm reading slightly differently than the rest of the text, it's because um, it is a quote posed to that Marcus Realis has written uh, that could have been said by somebody else or that is just him challenging himself and what he thinks. And then when I read like regular, that's his response. So what I just read was actually something that was in quotations that was meant to be separate from uh, his actual thoughts and something that was supposed to challenge his actual thought. Here is his response. What you say is true, but you've twisted any meaning and are like one of those fellows I discussed earlier who can't tell the difference between clever argument and good sense. But if you think about it and truly grasp my meaning, my meaning, Never fear that you will fail to meet your social obligations and do good without looking for reward. A prayer of the Athenians. Rain, rain, dear Zeus on the fields and plains of the Athenians. This is how we too should pray simply and freely. Or we should not bother praying at all. So I'd also like to make another note. Um, I'm not... Uh, telling you the numbers of the different passages when a different uh segment is started because it kind of gets repetitive. But if you feel like it's not a continuation of the previous passage, then it's probably just a whole new passage, just to let you know. It is common when speaking of a doctor's orders to say, Asclepius, prescribed for this fellow horseback riding cold baths or walking barefoot, in the same way, we should be able to say, nature has prescribed a disease, a disfiguration, disfiguration, a dismemberment, or some other disability. In the former case, treatments are prescribed to make a man physically whole, whereas in the latter case, circumstances are prescribed to complete or round out his destiny. These circumstances are like the stones that a stonemason uses to construct a wall or pyramid. They are selected and fit together to form one solid structure. By coming together in the right way, all the individual stones become one, just as the universe is coming together of all the objects in it. So destiny is the one compelling and inescapable logic to which every cause contributes. This is expressed even by those who don't fully understand it when they use an expression like, He had it coming. Yes, he did have it coming. Nature prescribed it for him. And he should accept it as readily as he would a doctor's orders. It may even hurt, but he welcomes it in hopes of being well again. All right, everyone. Before we continue, let's go ahead and hear a word from our sponsor. All right, everyone. And we are back with The Emperor's Handbook by Marcus Aurelius with a very specific translation that's called The Emperor's Handbook. At any rate, accept the the prescriptions of nature as if they were intended for your own health, even if, at times, they may seem cruel or disagreeable to you. Remember that they are for the good of the universe and for the pleasure of God. Nothing is prescribed for any part that does not benefit the whole. After all, it would violate the nature of anything to act against its own interests in governing its parts." There are two reasons, then, for being content with whatever happens to you. The first is that it was meant just for you, prescribed for you, and preserved for you like a thread woven into your destiny from the very beginning. The second is that whatever happens to the individual contributes to the health, wholeness, and survival of the entire universe. You destroy the symmetry and continuity of the whole if you cut away even one part or remove a single cause. And that's what you do, to the extent you're able. Every time you whine and complain, mutilate the whole by amputating the parts. Don't become disgusted with yourself. Lose patience or give up if you sometimes fail to act as your philosophy dictates. But after each setback, Return to reason and be content if most of your acts are worthy of a good man. Love the philosophy to which you return and go back to it, not as an unruly student to the rod of a schoolmaster, but as a sore eye to a sponge and egg whites, or a wound to cleansing ointments and clean bandages. In this way you will obey the voice of reason, not to par- not to parade a perfect record, but to secure an inner peace. Remember, philosophy desires only what pleases your nature, while you wanted something at odds with nature. Precisely, doesn't it? All come down to what pleases me most. Yes, it does. But be careful. This is just the argument. This is just the argument. Pleasure uses to trick most people. Ask yourself, what could possibly please you more than to be, gr- to be great-souled, free, natural, gentle, and devout? And what is more pleasing than practical wisdom when you consider the reliability and efficiency of knowledge and understanding in every situation? So, this is not me reading from the book, that this is a note. I find Marcus Aurelius to be extremely realistic. I've read this book before, but it's been some time. He's very realistic, and his philosophy is very practical. He's talking about the true nature of humanity. He says man and uh, what a man should do and all that, but you know, nowadays we, of course, understand that women... <laughs> Uh, have the same kinds of minds that can do the same things. But, very practical. Understanding what nature is, what pleasure is, and how it beguiles one to go away from the work of being someone who is in accordance with the order of the universe. It's very practical to me. That's something that makes a lot of sense to me. And, it seems that... He took his work very seriously and he encourages everybody no matter what level they are they're on in society or in the universe to take their work seriously as well and do it no matter you know as if they were the emperor themselves um i admire this tactic philosophical tactic greatly and uh, it feels very much like he understands the original a uh, version of, like, the Indian caste system, which wasn't that somebody is over somebody else, but do what you're good at. Um, with what nature you are truly born, and with what ability you are truly born, uh, whatever that might be, it's not about from which parents you come from, or which, or how much money you have when you're born. It's about what you are when you are born, what you're just naturally good at after that, or what you can basically claim through work or claim through working towards a skill to be good at through that hard work and developing something that you can contribute to society through. So it's not always being born good at something. It can be working very hard at something to be... Uh, working very hard to be to develop a skill at something. Um, Both these things are congruent and they're not opposites. Um, But everybody pitches in their part. Everybody is good at something or works to be good at something and then is good at it. And nobody is necessarily above anybody else. I I, I get that feeling from from his words. And I feel like he is very much an agent of order, like I myself at least claim to be. At any rate, let's go ahead and read some more. Everything is so shrouded in mystery that many philosophers, including some of the best thinkers, believe that knowledge is unattainable. Even Stoics sometimes waver on this point, acknowledging the fallibility of their senses and judgments. Who hasn't at one time or another received a false impression or changed his mind? Then consider the experiences upon which your mind feeds, how short they last, how cheap they are, how likely to be at the mercy of perverts, whores, and the or, th- or thieves or thieves, here we go. Next look at the morals and manners of those you live with. No wonder even the best of them is almost unbearable, although no more so than you are to yourself. In the midst of this darkness and filth, this ruin of time, this decay of substance, of movement and things moved, I cannot begin to know what should win my praise or fire my ambition. Instead, I must find consolation in waiting for my life to end without being irritated at the delay, and while taking comfort in knowing first that nothing will happen to me, that is not a part of nature's plan. And second, that there is no power on earth that can force me to act against the laws of God and the dictates of conscience. Okay, so when he mentions God, it's the pagan idea of God that all the different gods are just different faces of the one God, The kind of the, the ideo- ideology I, I prescribe to. And, it, and I, I was reminded of... Um, when he said that, I was reminded of an instance where he was actually himself commanding the defense of a Roman fort, uh, I believe, on the border between, on the border of Germany. And they were breaking through the gates or, like, they were, like, about to take over the fort. They They were very close to taking over the fort. Lines were falling back, disarray, things like that. And he made an offering to the gods in a brazier of sorts, and then a lightning bolt actually struck the German line in front of the fort, and they ran back in in disarray and disbelief and and fear um It's very rare that this happens, you know. This I don't think this is this was just Marcus Aurelius saying this. I, I actually be- believe that this happened in history. You can you, you can claim that okay, maybe it's not the gods, maybe it's just a natural phenomenon, maybe it was just chance. Sure, but I really think that this happened, whether by be by chance or by the gods. I think it was by the gods, but if you believe it's by chance, that's completely fine too. I understand. But him, them being hard pressed, him offering to the gods, and then that lightning bolt striking um the lines of the germans that is a very remarkable uh turn of events and experience to be a part of for all the soldiers there and uh i mean if you were attacking a fort and a lightning bolt struck your people you might kind of lose your nerve you might kind of be like okay well the gods do not want us to do this we better go and then everybody defending the fort's like yeah uh, these are very easily understandable human emotions, but um, let's go ahead and continue. How at this moment am I using my mind? This is a question worth asking all the time. So is this. How do my words and deeds measure up to the ruling reason within me? And who owns this mind of mine anyway? An infant? A boy? A woman? A tyrant? A dumb animal? A wild beast? If you want to understand what sorts of things seem good to a person, try using Menander's famous line, So surrounded by good things was he as a test. If he's someone who values real goods, wisdom, for example, self-restraint, justice, and courage, and thinks only of, the, of these when he hears the old joke about too much of a good thing— then Menander's line will make no sense to him. But if instead he thinks of the things that seem good to most people, he'll have no trouble appreciating the poet's humor. Everyone understands this difference. If they didn't, they'd find the joke shocking and offensive. But since they know the poet is talking about wealth and the effects of luxury and fame, they think his punchline witty. And well put, so go ahead and ask yourself if you should convince conceive as good those things that, upon reflection, might inspire someone to say of their owner, so surrounded by good things was he that he didn't have a place to take a shit <laughs> I like that all right let's le let's read a couple more uh, passages here, and I'm on page fifty eight thirteen. I am formed out of two elements, the causal and the material. Neither of these will be reduced to nothingness when I am dead, just as neither came out of nothingness when I was born. It follows that each part of me will someday be transformed into a part of the universe, and that part will later be transformed into another part, and so on forever. In just this way I came into being, as did my parents and their parents and all those who came before them. Nothing contradicts this theory, even if the universe is organized in finite periods. Reason and logic are governed by their own laws and employ their own methods. They launch themselves at will, and they head straight for their target. This is why we call actions that seem to us reasonable and logical right, because they are right on target. Okay, well, we're going to end there for today. Uh this is obviously a remarkable man and it makes more sense than I even remember. Uh if y'all would like to hear more about this, feel free to let me know on Facebook. You can message me at www.facebook.com slash hunter period salazar. H-U-N-T-E-R period S-A-L-A-Z-A-R. I very much enjoy reading uh the books that I own and uh, sharing the knowledge with y'all. Um, a lot of the time I'm reading it for the first time. Uh, in this case, I read this before, but I have forgotten it. Uh, I hope y'all enjoy this. I try to share as much of my own wisdom as well, but I feel like my own wisdom by itself wouldn't be giving all of you the best experience in listening to something like this. So I try to share as much as I can in order to improve your lives as much as possible. Uh, Though I have no claims to uh, greatness or stardom, I just do the best that I can. At any rate, thank you very much for listening. Uh, Let me know if you all want to hear more of this in the future, and I hope all of you have a wonderful day.